Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for There's a John Wayne movie that's really good called The Cowboys. Uh, He gets these kids to help him take some cattle on a long cattle drive. There's no men in the town to hire, so he goes to the schoolhouse and gets these young boys, and he draws a line on the board. All right, you got to be this tall to go with me. And it's just, it's a funny movie. It's a serious movie, too. These boys become men, and there's a villain that sneaks into John Wayne's camp. He wants to steal the cattle. And he terrorizes this one boy. He tells him, I'm going to sneak in at night and I'm going to kill you. And he has his kid scared through the whole movie. And at the end of the movie, they catch up. The bad guys catch up to John Wayne and they hold him at gunpoint. And that villain goes after that boy again. He gets in front of him, gets right down in his face and he taunts him. And he just, he's just mean with the kid. And he takes his glasses off his face and he squishes them up. And finally, John Wayne goes, all right. We've seen what you can do with a boy. How are you when they come a little bigger? And then you're just like, oh, get them, John. You know, <laughs> you really want to see John just beat this guy to a pulp, right? <laughs> well, hold on to that for a minute, because we're going to see that where somebody big steps in to get things done. But we're in Second Samuel 10 and verse 1. As we continue along in our study of David, the Ammonites and Syrians defeated. It happened after this that the king of the people of Ammon died, and Hanan his son reigned in his place. Then David said, I will show kindness to Hanan the son of Nahash, as his father showed kindness to me. So David sent by the hand of his servants to comfort him concerning his father, and David's servants came into the land of the people of Ammon. Okay, so David sends this peace ambassadors to this king here, And something about David's succession to the throne, it had a lot to do with the relationships that he had with other kingdoms. You can call it foreign policy. And so as we had read already, David had been bringing a lot of surrounding nations under tribute to Israel, some of them by force if they rejected Israel and attacked them. But some of the kingdoms, like if you remember King Toy, they came willfully, willful tribute because they saw the blessing of the Lord. And so David, he wanted to extend peace to the nation of Ammon for a couple of good reasons. Number one, Ammon was directly east of the Jordan River, which is right on Israel's east side. You know, to have friendship with your next door neighbor is good to secure your borders for both nations. It would also help with defense for both nations because they could have an agreement together. It would also help with trade because they live right next to each other. And two, David felt that the king passing, King Nahash passing on, was an opportunity to bring in some needed change. He he saw this as an opportunity that could be taken advantage of to make peace with the new king. Now, that being said, 
We need to understand some difficulty that Israel had had with Nahash in the past. King Nahash of Ammon was severely oppressing the tribes of Gad and Reuben. He would poke out everyone's right eye and allow no one to rescue Israel. There was no one among the Israelites east of the Jordan River whose right eye King Nahash of Ammon had not poked out. That's pretty severe. You're going around popping everybody in the eye. I mean, that's just wrong. But the easy way to remember Nahash, the easy way to keep him in your mind, is that he's the very first enemy that Saul conquered right out of the gate. Back when Saul first became king, he was the first guy he had to deal with. Now, I know that Saul messed up in a lot of ways, but right out of the gate, early in his reign, Saul started off with some victories for Israel. But when Saul heard about Nahash poking out Israelites' eyes like that, he slapped together a quick army. And he went out and he took care of the Ammonites. That was Saul's first major military win. That's how you can remember King Nahash is when Saul went out and defeated the Ammonites. So when Nahash died, which it would be a great gain to take up peace with this new king. He wanted to extend peace with the new king. Now, right here, I want you to make a mental note real quick, uh, a little snapshot in your mind of the fact that David had no intention of conquering the people of Ammon. It was not his it wasn't his thought to say now's the time to go whip them. That's not what he said. David wanted to show them kindness. Read the text, that's what it tells us, kindness. David was loving his compassion covenant thing that had been going on with between him and the Lord. It was very blessing to him, and so he did the same for Mephibosheth. He offered him grace and peace and friendship through covenant. David is just really feeling the love of the Lord. And so when you're experiencing the blessing of God's love, you want to share it with other people. And so David's just wanting to extend it outwardly to others. David wanted to show kindness because it says in verse two that Nahash, the guy that poked out all the guy's eyes, right? Nahash had so, had shown kindness to David. Oh, well, wait a minute, Ray. I, hold, hold on. I what about all that when Nahash was poking out Israelites' eyes? What, what was that all about? Well, apparently somewhere along the way, between Saul's rule and David's rule, Nahash apparently had some kind of change of heart somewhere, didn't he? Do you see that? Because he showed kindness. Well, something happened. He, he turned somewhere and had a change of heart. Nahash had apparently at some point gone from being an enemy to being a friend. He turned. So I want you to hold this thought in your mind right here that David's intentions were not about conquest and take them down and let's beat them all. See, a lot of people read the Bible and they see where David did those kind of things. He conquered this people and that people, and they don't weigh in the fact that David wanted friendship with a former enemy. This would be a win-win for both sides to have a new friend to share peace and prosperity with between each other. It's a gain for both parties. That is what was on David's mind. 2 Samuel 10 and 3. And the princes of the people of Ammon said to Hanan their lord, Do you think that David really honors your father because he has sent comforters to you? Has David not rather sent his servants to you to search the city, to spy it out, and to overthrow it? Therefore Hanan took David's servants, shaved off half of their beards, cut off their garments in the middle at their buttocks, and sent them away. When they told David, he sent to meet them because the men were greatly ashamed. And the king said, wait at Jericho until your beards have grown and then return. 
Okay, you can see the wicked nature of the Ammonites. Hanan listened to ill-intended, bad counsel based on wicked thinking. And so that's the decision he chose to go with. He was wicked. The people were wicked. They were just rotten to the core. And that's, that's the way he wanted to go. You know, Hanan could have chosen, he could have, to reject his people's bad counsel and consider all the great benefits there was to being friends with Israel. He could have weighed it out and thought through it logically. Well, wait a minute. This is a good for us. But no, he listened to those who had evil intent. All they could think about was negative everything. He was easily influenced to choose hostility against David when he could have made a better choice. Look what Hanan did to the David's men, his, his peace ambassadors. He insulted them cruelly. So how should David respond to a hostile insult like this? A friend, for a minute, I want you to think about if, if somebody did this to your family. Would that not fire you up? Come on, get in David's shoes with me here. So when you think about it, he did not have to take things so far as to ruthlessly insult David's ambassadors of peace. Brutal insult. He didn't have to do that. To do it is declaring war, hostility. But I want to ask you a question, though. What was David's first response to this? Was it fiery, mad, mad, man, let's go get him? No, that's not what he did. What did David do first? First, he took honor and care towards the ones whom he sent out. He told them, go to Jericho until your beards grow back out. Why Jericho? Let's reflect back to what Joshua said about Jericho after he defeated it. In Joshua 6.26, Then Joshua charged them at that time, saying, Cursed be the man before the Lord who rises up and builds this city Jericho. He shall lay its foundation with his firstborn, and with his youngest he shall set up its gates. Okay, Jericho's a cursed place. Nobody can build it. Anybody tries to build it back up, they're going to have death in the family, and it's going to make them want to leave. But at that time, nobody was there. Jericho was an empty, uninhabited place. It was an empty location. And David sent his peacemaker ambassadors to Jericho to regrow their beards there because it was a place where they would be without shame. Remember, it said the men were greatly ashamed. There was a lot of significance in a Jewish man's beard. That To have a beard was, was a reverent sign. It doesn't say that he shaved off all their beard. It says he shaved half of it off. That, that, would, that was a mockery. And besides the fact that he tore their clothes in the midsection, he was trying to insult them. They were very ashamed. They needed time to heal. Friend, God will give you time to heal. The king looks out for you. So he sent them in a place where nobody else was so that the shame would not remain on them. He gave them a way where their shame and their insult would not stay on them. And that's the first thing David did. A good king sees to his people first before he mounts up for war. <laughs> oh, guys, I know you know there's a big war coming and it's an end time stuff, Armageddon and all that. The king is going to see to his people first. Okay, so being Messiah Jesus, you'll be fine. All right. But let's read what David did next after taking care of his guys in response to the insult the men of peace that he had sent. Second Samuel 10 and 6. When the people of Ammon saw that they had made themselves repulsive to David, the people of Ammon sent and hired the Syrians of Beth-Rehob and the Syrians of Zobah 
20,000 foot soldiers, and from the king of Micah, 1,000 men, and from Ishtob, 12,000 men. (laughs) Now, when David heard of it, he sent Joab and all the army of the mighty men. Then the people of Ammon came out and put themselves in battle array at the entrance of the gate. And the Syrians of Zobah, Beth-Rehob, Ishtob, and Maka were by themselves in the field. When Joab saw that the battle line was against him, before and behind, he chose some of Israel's best and put them in battle array against the Syrians. And the rest of the people he put under command of Abishai his brother, that he might set them in battle array against the people of Ammon. Then he said, If the Syrians are too strong for me, then you shall help me. But if the people of Ammon are too strong for you, then I will come and help you. Be of good courage, and let us be strong for our people and for the cities of our God. And may the Lord do what is good in his sight. So Joab and the people who were with him drew near for the battle against the Syrians, and they fled before him. When the people of Ammon saw that the Syrians were fleeing, they also fled before Abishai and entered the city. So Joab returned from the people of Ammon and went to Jerusalem. This reminds me of high school or junior high. In junior high, you know, some kid gets mad at you in school and they say, meet me after school. We're going to fight and all this. But they don't meet you by themselves. They ask all their buddies to come along, too. It's it's like not a fair fight now. <laughs> it's bully tactics. Rem- guys, rem- I want you to remember David's intent, his starting beginning idea here was based on friendship. And now he's facing off a against a downright wicked enemy. But look at Joab here, okay? His military general. He found himself surrounded by all kinds of opposition. They're all the way around him. And so this required him to take up a specific strategy. When you're surrounded by opposition that wants to get you, there is a particular strategy that really works. What he did, he focused his best leadership guys on the front lines. Friends, we are surrounded by opposition in this world. You need to get with your biblical leaders, your pastoral leadership, the people of God. Well, he, get, he gets his best leadership guys on the front lines in one direction and had Abishai focus his guys in the other direction, outnumbered. The strategy here was if you get in trouble, then I'll help you. And if I get in trouble, you help me. And friends, it says they won this round here without even having to fight. Did you see that? They just, they saw him and left. Nobody swung a sword or shot an arrow. Look at verse 13. It says the Syrians tucked tail and ran. They fled. They got out of there. And when the Ammonites saw the Syrians run, well, they ran too. They had the Israelites completely surrounded, but both sides fled. Why? Because God's people stood together in unity. Let me run it by you again for those of you daydreaming. You hear me in the background. Hello, listen to me. Come back. Listen here. Come back to me. (laughs) They fled without a fight because the people of God stood together in unity. I'll help you. You help me. That's what worked. I want you to really understand that because you need this strategy right here. To win the fight, you must unite. 
2 Samuel 10 and 15. When the Syrians saw that they had been defeated by Israel, they gathered together. Then Hadadezer sent and brought out the Syrians who were beyond the river, and they came to Helam. And Shobak, the commander of Hadadezer's army, went before them. When it was told David, he gathered all Israel, crossed over the Jordan, and came to Helam. And the Syrians set themselves in battle array against David and fought with him. Then the Syrians fled before Israel, and David killed 700 charioteers and 40,000 horsemen of the Syrians, and struck Shobach, the commander of their army, who died there. And when all the kings who were servants to Hadadezer saw that they were defeated by Israel, they made peace with Israel and served them. So the Syrians were afraid to help the people of Ammon any more. <laughs> okay, guys, the first encounter did not work out, did it? Didn't go according to their plan. So they tried to salvage their retreat by regrouping together again for one big bad showdown. But this time, at the new big grand finale, the big rematch, this time, the king showed up. The king showed up and the enemy was defeated. All right, we see what you can do with a boy. How about when they come a little bigger? Oh, get him, David. And so he beat him. David beat him with the covenant power of God that God had given and promised him over his enemies. He beat him with covenant muscle so bad that the Syrians said, nah. We ain't never helping you ever again. We're done. We're not having no more of this. But I want you to observe what happened here, though. Take a close look with me. Let's go deep now. That was the surface stuff, but let's look some deeper things. I want you to see that it says that many people were destroyed, gone. That's usually the part most people want to concentrate on. Oh, David went around killing everybody like he's the, the bad guy here. Remember, he wanted to be friends. But there were those, it says, that realized they were beaten. They realized they could not win. They realized they were defeated. And because they saw their inability to win, when they saw that they weren't good enough, they chose to make peace and serve. Really look at that, guys. They couldn't win. Many were destroyed, it says. Now, we saw that. That's easy to see. Many were destroyed, but there were some who also, after they were forced down, they finally realized it was better to pay tribute to this king. This is a king we can't beat. It's better to pay tribute to him and get on board than to fight him and go down. Friends, I am always looking for the gospel in every chapter, the Jesus parallel, I call it, in every chapter of every book, even in the Old Testament, you can find the gospel in the Old Testament. And I'm trying to show you how it runs through every book of the Bible. You'll see it if you'll just look for it. I want to show you some things here. Number one, this started with a king's offer. As we had read in the previous chapter in Second Samuel 9, David got grace from the Lord through covenant. And he specific, it was specifically the Davidic covenant, and so he wanted to extend friendship through covenant to Mephibosheth, Jonathan's son. And he really enjoyed that blessing. David really loved 
giving that blessing to Mephibosheth. It's something David liked to do. He really got enjoyment out of doing that because he could. A good king is a giving king. And so now what we see here is that David wanted to extend the goodness of blessing. He wanted to do more and more because he enjoyed it. He wanted to extend it to a kingdom. This is his offer, the king's offer. Friends, this story is a picture for us to understand that Father God, the Lord God, our king, he extends an offer of friendship to you, and he offers this blessing through the new covenant that he already made for us through Jesus, Jesus dying on the cross. And so I asked you earlier to take a snapshot of the fact that David, the king, he had no intention to just step out and beat everybody up. His original intention here was to go and show them kindness, the kindness of the Lord. David said in verse 2, I will show kindness to Hanan, the son of Nahash. David wanted friendship. He wanted peace. And it should have been a win-win for both sides because they would both gain friendship with one another. But sadly, there's many people, they look at a story like this, and all they see is that David killed, David killed, David killed. I mean, what? why do people focus on the negative? The, the king of the Ammonites, all he could see was the negative. Do you think David's really here to, to honor you? He's here to spy out the land and take it over. Okay, well, let's mount up and go get him. All he could think of was the negative. Don't be like that. That gets you in trouble. It got, it got him in trouble. What David's intention was, was to offer friendship. He did not set out to conquer and destroy everybody like they try to make it out to be. Friends, this is how your Lord, your God is. He's trying to show us his character in this chapter. Don't think of God as this angry, impossible to please mega monster who's just looking for the slightest reason to chop you in half over any little thing you do wrong. Sure, we have sinned, and that counts us out. But my friends, I want you to understand, Father God, his intention, his offer is that he wants to be friends with you. Second Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish. You see that? Not willing that anybody should perish. He doesn't want you to die. He's not out to conquer you. He's not out to slap you down. It says, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Remember King Nahash? He came to repentance. He was an enemy. Then he became a friend. And David says, hey, he showed kindness to me. That's the guy that's poking everybody's eyes out. Well, he turned somewhere. That's what God wants. He wants us to turn from our negative, our hostility, our enmity, our being an enemy against the Lord. He wants us to turn from that because the Lord God's intent is not to destroy you. His intent is to offer his friendship to you. The Lord God looks at you. And he sees opportunity. He sees the potential of being friends that both parties, both you and him, they both can gain from you being in friendship together. It is a win-win scenario for both of you. You get saved from the consequence of your sins. Thank 
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.